I have a, I have a riddle for you, uh, Benjamin, and, and for the listeners. You know, it's something that happened to me uh, yesterday, and it really confused me. It was with CarPlay. I was um, running some errands in the car and uh, playing music through the stereo over, over over the wire with CarPlay. Not like wireless aftermarket workaround solution, but like official CarPlay. And um, I noticed that when I hit like a bump in the road, the audio stopped. And the only way I could fix it was like unplug the cable and plug it back in. CarPlay was still display on on the on on the screen, and and progress was continuing with the song, but I couldn't hear anything. And um, so it was like, and that was weird. And then I hit, um, I took a I took a turn pretty quick, and the same thing happened. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's like something happening with my actual car that like is making the stereo not work. Like when there's like a jarring situation, um, and then it happened one more time before I solve the riddle, but uh, I'm just going to give you that for now. I'll think about that. And, and if you have any ideas about what, what it was, let me know. <laughs> so, so it was showing that it was playing on the CarPlay UI, but you couldn't hear anything. Yeah. And the only fix was to unplug the phone and plug it back in. And that fixed the audio came right back immediately after. Yeah. And, it, so my, and it can my just, guess would be that it's like magically automatically paired to like some AirPods that are in the car or something. That's my guess. Okay. I don't, I, that'd be my first port of call. Really. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely like when the car was being like jarred just a little bit, like never when it was like a smooth ride. So, so we'll we'll, 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 we'll return to that uh, at the end of the episode because it that's a little that's a little yeah te- puzzle teaser. Yeah, it, it was a brain niche that I was satisfied to solve. So, <laughs> related to CarPlay, but completely uh, independent of your troubles, I just this is something I found out over the holiday break. Uh-huh. Uh, CarPlay, if you have two cars. It, like it doesn't transfer your settings between the vehicles, so that's right. Your home, your home screen layout is completely separate depending on what car you're in. I think like all of your settings are. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 like wallpaper, light or dark mode, preferences for alerts. Like every car has its own preferences, and there's no option to say every car I want to behave this way because it's the same iPhone. Yeah, like. Now I'm I don't have a car, so this is why I, I certainly don't have two cars. Uh, but I just don't like I've I've just assumed you'd naturally assume it wouldn't work that way, you know? Like yeah, you get into I a, just assumed it. You drive a car would, to work every day, and then you then you go into a rental on like a work trip or something, and and you plug in, and all the customization you've done isn't there. You need to do it again for that car that you'll only drive temporarily. Yeah, that seems very strange to me and like carplay is not a new not a new thing like this is just how it's been for years and years and years and i can understand them having like the flexibility for you to set them up independently but i feel like the default option should just be to mirror everything like so you have like your default config and then if you go into a new car it just automatically shares the default config but then if you go into settings you can then change it can like say customize or whatever and then tweak it from there like or like i it's so bizarre to me that I would almost assume that the only option would be you only have one set of settings and that's the same for every vehicle you ever plug into the phone. Yeah. Instead of it being the current situation where it's completely independent per device, like per per vehicle you connect to. Yeah. Like, it just seems wrong. It's like they've got the advanced option only and not the basic, yeah, exactly. basic feature like, down. Because if you have two cars, is there really... Like, is it, surely the common case is not, I want this car to be set up completely differently to my other car. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I think it's a really trivial thing, like in, in the big picture of things that we'd, we'd want to see. 
Um, but it is one of those small things that would be easy to, 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 you know, fix if, if, and, and, you know, if, if ignored, it would never change. Um, in, in the beginning, I mean, you, you could always rearrange apps in CarPlay through the settings app CarPlay section. And at first it was like, like a visual thing in, in the settings app where you would move them around like a virtual screen layout. And then there became more apps, a lot more third-party apps. And it became this list of things. And even though you only have say, eight icons per screen that was just a list it, it, it's this way now it's just a list of of uh of apps and you just move them up and down the list and you have to know in your in your mind that eight each eight apps is a screen and that like i don't know app number five is bottom left corner it, it's it's not very intuitive the, the original way was better for me at least um and and then that was mainly the only setting that you would change between cars and then when they added wallpapers that that's that's kind of a big jarring um, one that 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 because there's no sync between cars, that's that's one that stands out to me. And then also your mode. So if you're in light mode, dark mode, or always or automatic. Um, and then and then new this year, I haven't even had this experience, but I assume that's is how it works. Though is there are like CarPlay settings in the settings app um, on CarPlay, and I assume this this is not mirrored between cars. It's it's individual, um, but things like. Do I want um, do not disturb while driving automatically? Do I want my my alerts read out loud um, or just messages or you know you can do things like that too now and I assume that's that's per car as well to set up and and the default isn't horrible I mean it's just your apps by default you know and I think you probably have like the stock wallpaper and then you have I think by default you have uh, mode uh, light and dark mode switching. Um, but yeah, yeah. But once you go into the settings app like one time, you think, well, you're done, and then you get into a new car. And especially if you have like you know your car and your partner's car that you might go in between, you you, you don't want to tweak that individually every time. So <laughs> I, that was just something that I saw and like, it's like wow, that is kind of stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I just never encountered it myself personally because I don't drive. But it just yeah, like fair enough, just sort it out. Yep. Uh, CES is this week. It's happening. It was not canceled. There are people at CES. There are there are vendors who did not cancel. Uh, and, and, Nine to five Mac has a presence technically. We, we have, te- um, technically, Seth there, right? Yeah, we have Seth Krakowski, our, our esteemed podcast audio editor, and um, and I, I forget the name of, of his friend, but his friend's there too. Somebody that works for us. I don't know on Space Explored. Um, but anyway, have you seen anything cool with with CES this year? Anything that stands out to you? Um, not in the scheme of things. It seems like. Obviously, you know, everybody's distanced themselves from CES because nobody wants to be shown as a uh, defier of, like, COVID protocol, right? So all the big companies are uh, pulled out, so they haven't had floor presence. And even in a normal year, most big companies in the last, let's say, last five years have taken all the most important announcements that they have for for consumers and just done them at their own events because they find it gives them more popularity so if you combine that factor with the fact that a lot of companies pulled out cs has been almost an a no show this year even though there is technically a show going on there was one thing that caught my eye that i've been waiting for an announcement for about for years and years and years and i believe we spoke about this on the podcast probably last year or maybe the year before when cs came around it is the fact that they are finally in 2022 gonna sell a 42 inch oled tv because before now <laughs> the smallest oled tv you could get was 48 inches and only a couple of years before that the smallest was like 55 and i love big tvs lots of people love big tvs that's clearly why they prioritize making big oleds first but 
obviously your personal preference is constrained by the layout of your house and the main living room in our house is in a like corner off to the side um and it's like a open plan thing to the kitchen but that means that the living room space is constrained so the tv is in a corner unit so it stretches across you know the back wall not not flush it's diagonal right and so diagonal to the corner means you can't have a 55 inch tv you can't even have a 50 inch tv you can't even have a 48 inch tv <laughs> the, the biggest diagonal width we could probably fit is about 44 inches and so i've been wanting a new tv for that room for years and years and years but there's never it, it oled's been around and i've been wanting oled screens but they've never shipped in a size but finally this year they're gonna sell maybe just me i don't know who else wants it but we do a 42 inch oled tv set from lg and other manufacturers are going to do it as well but okay. the, the main like lg product line the c2 is going to be offered in a 42 inch monitor in a 42 inch size for people that want it so that's and, pretty great and not, not just the size constraint but um but uh I, I imagine the price is also pretty pretty you know pretty competitive because it's a smaller screen than it's than 55 well, inches <laughs> they haven't announced prices yet and i don't know whether it's going to be competitive because it's small or it's going to be expensive because it's kind of niche <laughs> yeah yeah huh. so i don't know which side of the pendulum it will swing on i i've been kind of ballparking it that it will be like the same price as the 48 inch oleds even though it's going to be you know significantly smaller so like it the the um manufacturing complexity in making this different smaller size it's probably going to be low volume will be like accounted for by the fact it would probably cost around the same as the four like i don't expect to get a, a big price discount if it's cheaper if it's notably cheaper that's a bonus but i've been kind of bracing myself for that this is not their like main product line uh, this that like this size isn't gonna be the main skew so pricing's probably you know probably not get a huge discount because i should say at the exact same event they not only announced the 42 inch they also announced a 97 inch model so i think the average uh, the average size of tvs is obviously in like the 60 inch range and that's clearly where they're most concentrated on but at least there will be some 42-inch OLEDs available. Okay. It's like a big screen mini. Uh, what do you think, like $2,000? or 1500 probably. That's not, that's not bad for OLED. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of money, but it's not bad for OLED. Yeah, and, and if we buy it this year, it'll be 1500 If If I was buying like a TV right now, I'd just buy like last year's model, if you see what I mean. Because, sure. you know, the, the, the incremental change year to year is pretty small. And you can get the, the year before's model for like, you know, another $400 off. So if we do upgrade it, Immediately when these come out, it'll probably be in the fifteen hundred dollars range. If we wait till next year, it'll be like a thousand or whatever. But they're like good; they're like good quality OLED panels from LG. Yeah. So I've been. This is what we've been waiting for. And the, like the TV in the living room is not even four K because the four K revolution came around. We waited a few more years, and then like OLED started popping up, and so we've just been holding out. But this should be the should be the ticket we've been waiting for, which is nice. Very nice. And then Intel they they say that they've caught up with. Uh... With with Apple's processors, that they they say that, that their new i nine chip um, will compete with Apple's M one Max, their most powerful chip. Um, what, what do you what do you think about this? Is is this possible, or or are they just talking? Yeah, so this got a lot of coverage, obviously, because you know people love to um, hype up the Apple versus Intel war, uh, and it's very true that up to now the M one chips are far and away industry leading in both. In, in single core terms, just raw performance, like it's really hard to find like a laptop chip that is faster on single core than the M1 generation or the M1 Max and M1 Pro generation. Uh, and then on power efficiency on both single core and multi-core, the, the M1s are just so far ahead because it's, you know, ARM-based and et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, you've, you've been able to find 
Intel's always sold more powerful CPUs when it comes to multi-core stuff, because if you look at laptops and desktops, they have 16, 32, you know, they have the Xeon line, which is what like, the, the Mac Pro uses, right? And so if you just want an Intel chip that's faster on a spec than Apple's, you know, you could already buy one last year, right? But the, the, the big news that Intel's touting uh, this time around is that they're going to have a CPU out that will be faster than the M1 Max at the same power efficiency. That's what they quote. Obviously, we have to wait until we have to wait and see if it's true, right? Or the, or how the numbers are skewed. I think the graph that's been shared around all over the place, which you know, do you, you remember the um, the graphs that Apple did at the October event where they they were like those curvy lines, uh-huh. right? Where it was like power versus efficiency, and they like drew a line. Right. They drew the M1 line way higher, right? Well, Intel did one of those, and it's like ten to 50, ten to twenty percent higher than the M1 Max line at the same power point. But the start of the curve starts at 35 watts, whereas the start of the M1 Max starts at like 10 watts, right? So the low, the lower bound, I still think the the just purely based on what Intel's you know showing off in marketing, they're not even pretending to compete with the with the basic performance efficiency curve of the M1 generation. So day to day tasks, the Apple Silicon's chip is going to be the one delivering 15 hours of battery life. Bloody bloody blah. It's if you're going to like, I think what the Intel graph is showing is multiple performance. So if you're stressing like the M1 Max chip, which can go up to uh, the 10 core, G- 10 core CPU, right? Uh, I think what Intel's showing is like a 14 core, 12 core chip. So that's how they're getting higher performance. And then they're claiming that they can get at the basically get the highest power usage that the M1 Max draws. So when it's really going full out, which is the higher, you know, the the, the state that it's not in that often because most tasks don't push it to that degree. Uh, but when you're in that state, Intel's saying that their chip will basically start at that level and be faster in multi-core performance. That's I, they. I don't think they've shown single-core stats. It's, I think it's probably likely that this generation of chip will still lag behind the Apple Silicon stuff in single-core performance. So, so it's. Uh, I mean, just to sum it up, it's pretty much um, the the breakthrough with M1 chip is battery life and cool performance and. It's not really surprising that a high-end Intel chip is is performing highly. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it, they have they have what they haven't said is we have a low performance chip that or we have a low power chip that's high performance. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is still a good step for Intel because their previous generation Intel chips wouldn't even get close to the multi-core performance at the same power efficiency, right? So that's the improvement on the Intel side, but it's not going to change the fundamental. Um, trade-offs of choosing intel or apple silicon it like i'm sure eventually you know years and years down the road we'll get there but it's not going to happen this year it seems very unlikely and of course we're talking about apple's current generation of chips right like by the time that these uh, intel chips ship end of the year middle of next year apple already be moving on to gen 2 and gen 3 of its chips in many regards so you know everyone's moving ahead i think apple's still going to have the crown when it comes to power efficiency overall and in terms of you know steady state performance and power, uh, but if you're really wanting to like, like basically the state in which the M1 Max MacBook Pro has its fans running, right? If you if you're which is about two percent of the time I'm using the computer, but if you're in that state permanently, Intel's saying that they're going to win whenever 
these 12th gen chips come out so that's their claim i know people were like oh this is there no the, the, there's no way that this thing could be accurate because the apple silicon's way ahead well if you look at the very high end of the performance curve the intel chips were behind but they weren't so far behind so it makes sense that they've been able to catch up in that regard so you know competition's great it'll be good to see the the actual benchmarks when these things come out and hopefully intel isn't just you know straight up lying but <laughs> at least in one specific metric the apple silicon edge will be removed okay but it's not gonna it's not gonna undermine apple's choice of architecture transition and, and we still have more apple silicon versions flavors of m1 to come we have, we we believe with imac pro and mac pro yeah and the m2 coming in the redesigned MacBook Air yeah will be supposedly you know percentage points faster in single core and stuff so you know the whole industry is moving forward it's going to take a while for intel to truly supplant what apple can offer at every power level but on this specific high performance level they're claiming that they've caught up and surpassed them at the same power efficiency yeah good marketing sure i mean i I, like uh, uh, if if apple silicon was not as good as it was they'd be doing the exact same thing right they'd say look when we're going this thing uh, you can get if you want the most performance out of a mobile machine you want to buy apple silicon uh and that's what intel's doing right because that's what they think they've got the advantage so i don't blame them for doing it but people kind of flipped out about it in ways that probably wasn't warranted. Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier than ever to find the people that you want to talk to faster and now for free. You can create a free job post in just a matter of minutes using LinkedIn Jobs. And your post will reach your personal network and beyond to the world's largest professional network, of over 770 million people. Of course, filtering that base of people is also important. So your job post is seen by the people that you want to hire. LinkedIn Jobs lets you set up screening questions to focus in on the candidates with just the right skills and experience for what you're looking for to target the most qualified applicants. And once you've got some responses, LinkedIn Jobs offers some simple tools to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview because that influences who ultimately you want to hire. This is just some of the reasons why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires compared to the leading competition. So when you are ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs is the place to go to match your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person for your business. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour. That's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring the show. We, we may have to roll the tape for this, but I, f- I feel like the first time you said small business, it was smell business. And that had me thinking about what a smell business would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for this. It's just my accent. Yeah. I'm really excited for this next story. Uh, Ming-Chi Kuo says that AirPods Pro... Um, the second generation are coming and that they will have lossless support and um, insert dad joke. Me personally, I've lost a lot of AirPods. So this not being able to lose these is going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for laughing. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is a cool story from Quo. He had some, obviously for a while we've, we were waiting for the third gen uh, AirPods to come out. That was the long, you know, running rumor and they eventually shipped at the end of last year. And then the, running theory that everyone was basing off was basically the Mark Gurman story that AirPods Pro 2 would feature a redesign, they'd lose the stems and be more, basically an Apple version of the Beats Fit 
Pro that shipped at the end of last year, right? And part of the question was when the Beats Fits Pro came out is that because they matched up with the AirPods Pro rumors so closely, it was like, well, what's Apple going to offer to differentiate itself from what Beats from what Beats is already selling at a lower price point than what we presume the AirPods Pro will come out, right? And, you know, Apple probably could get away with basically just releasing Beats Fit Pro with an Apple logo on them, you know, not not, not Beats branded, come in white, and have as much success probably because they, they just target different market segments purely on branding alone. But, of course, from a business and, like, product marketing side of view, we kind of expected there'd be some secret source hanging around there for a while there were rumors about like health tracking features fitness tracking features uh what quo um showed in his report this week is not actually talking about any health tracking stuff he said that the new airpods will offer lossless audio via a new protocol and a new format apple lossless so that alac is apple's uh, lossless format that they deployed to apple music last year um but so far is not available to any of its headphones because the headphones use bluetooth bluetooth doesn't use you know it doesn't have the bandwidth to support lossless audio in most cases and apple's certainly hasn't supported it before including on the airpods max you know the, the super expensive headphones there's no way to play lossless audio if that's something you care about but quo says that one of the main features of the airpods pro 2 will be apple lossless integration also uh, the new form factor design as we expected and a charging case that can emit a sound for users to track so that was kind of the Quo's headline. If we talk about the loss of stuff first... So you don't lose it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously we... Yeah. <laughs> not not going to let it go. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the music lossless part first. Uh-huh. Uh, I think we spoke about... We must have spoke best on the show about, like, you need expensive headphones or expensive speakers for lossless to really matter. And I still believe that. Lossless shipped with Apple Music last year as a free upgrade... Right, you don't have to pay extra for it, which is fantastic. And clearly, some people that care about getting high, the highest fidelity audio possible, um, are now switching to Apple Music or staying with Apple Music just because of that feature. If you have high-end audio equipment, now you can actually stream high-end music at no adi- no additional charge. Fantastic. If you're talking about like Apple's consumer, the mass Apple consumer, I still believe that losses isn't going to make a big difference to your daily life. You can probably you can turn on Apple Lossus on your laptop right now if you want to. You probably won't be able to tell a difference. Uh, if you try on an iPhone through AirPods, you're definitely not going to hear the difference. AirPods are just way too small. AirPods Pro 2, they're still going to be really small buds that fit in your ears. I think it's highly unlikely that there'll actually be a meaningful difference in sound quality that you'll be able to distinguish on AirPods Pro 2 versus AirPods Pro 1. Okay, maybe Apple has some crazy magic up their sleeves that's going to really accentuate the loss of sound somehow and the sound signatures on these things will be amazing. And if they are, I'll take back what I said. But I think it's unlikely that AirPods Pro form factor headphones, you'll actually be able to hear a difference in the sound reproduction because you're streaming losses versus, you know, uh, 256 kilobit MP3 yeah. or AAC. Yeah. It's going to be really awkward when my AirPods Pro in my pocket have, have lossless though, even, even if I don't care about it. And then my big expensive AirPods Max do not have lossless. That's that's very uneven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if these do shit with lossless, assuming there's going to be a second generation of AirPods Max at some point down the road, then that's an obvious feature to yeah. add. Because I expect, yeah, if you have the super big headphones like AirPods Max, you probably can hear some degree of difference if you're streaming losses versus not. Like, you need big 
headphones and the AirPods Max are pretty big headphones with, you know, big um, drivers and stuff. So it's not going to be like a life changing experience. I think most people won't be able to tell the difference at all. But if you're, you know, super audiophile, you're into it, you'd probably be able to tell the difference. And there are some compression artifacts of AAC and MP3 that if you're tuned to it, you can definitely tell. But most people won't care. But if there is second generation AirPods Max, obviously they should add losses too. For AirPods Pro 2, maybe the headlining feature isn't Apple losses support, but it just comes along for the ride. I mean, when they did it last year for Apple Music... It was mostly about spatial audio, right? They did spatial audio primarily, and they had lossless on the side. And maybe that's the same thing again here, where obviously um, AirPods, the lineup, all now support spatial audio. But maybe there's a way that they can extend the spatial audio soundstage feel to make it sound even better if they have higher bandwidth available to them somehow because obviously they're going to need some kind of change to the wireless protocol to get the losses to stream over it so maybe that change has a different purpose maybe it's just better sound quality in general right like we can instead of 256 kilobits aac or that they we're taking the exact same audio file but because we can stream it in a higher fidelity way we can you know put more fake sounds in your ears we can accentuate the bass like that kind of thing maybe that's how they present it and then it'll be like oh yeah and if you want to now you can stream losses too that's because that make more sense to me because i even in the way that apple music announced its addition of losses they were kind of admitting in even from the first press release that it's a niche thing that most people aren't going to care about right so when this is obviously what quo's talking about he specifically called out losses but i would expect that when apple actually announces this thing there's probably a bigger message around it rather than like the bullet point won't be lossless it'll be like higher fidelity sound plus apple loss do you know what i mean like it will be a wider appeal feature that now supports losses because they can do it for the first time sure. and there was actually an interesting uh interview that was coincidentally timed uh with the blog what hi-fi uh, apple's vp of acoustics gary Geeves, a name i haven't heard of, heard of before was asked are you is bluetooth holding you back essentially because you know the airpods have always done things where they extend on the bluetooth standard for stuff like easy pairing or icloud based syncing of your pairing status um it the device switching features that they added which are sometimes more annoying than not but they did add them right the spatial audio stuff like they've obviously taken standard class one bluetooth and put some sugar on top of it where he was basically asked is there stuff that you can't do because bluetooth's in the way and he was quite open that uh yes <laughs> it, it, you know in, a, in an uncharacteristic interview for uh, an apple executive who you'd normally expect to say you know we're doing incredible things with bluetooth blah, 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 and kind of push it to the side he basically said it's fair to say that we would like more bandwidth we would like more bandwidth i'll stop right there because i guess he was about to reel off into a spiel of stuff to come but uh, he basically said we would like more bandwidth, full stop. In which case, it suggests that maybe these AirPods Pro 2, maybe they don't support, but maybe, well, they probably, they're going to support Bluetooth, but maybe they also support a different audio standard or wireless protocol. Maybe they rely more on Wi Fi or something like that. Maybe it's ultra wideband, you know, some other way that isn't just plain Bluetooth that maybe only works with Apple devices, like newer iPhones, etc., to give you lossless or to give you super high quality sound. Uh, and then they have Bluetooth there as like the fallback for 
everybody else older older apple devices and you know the people that buy apples to use with their android phone and stuff yeah bad bad week for bluetooth in the in the headlines is is there better for like is bluetooth improves over time so is is there like bluetooth 6 <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know to be i couldn't tell you to be honest i don't know uh because right now apple uses class 1 bluetooth le which is i believe still basically cutting edge maybe there's a few minor features but i don't think there's anything that would allow for like the bandwidth for like losses i don't think so i don't know enough about this area yeah. but that, i don't off the, off the top of my head like i can't point to like a samsung headphones that do it do you know what i mean so i don't think there's like a standard right now okay um and, and lastly i'll say that uh, in this section of airpods uh you, you may remember back in september i discussed on this podcast that my and my airpods max had um um like a like a sound that was coming out when i was using noise cancellation or transparency um, I, I decided that's because of the mic. I had some kind of a mic issue that was making it sound like the ocean. And um, I, 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 because it's not like a go in and swap it out thing, I put off having it fixed. And um, I, I eventually did send it off at the end of last year to, to be repaired. And they came back and they said no issues, no changes. Um, and I, I knew that was because it was intermittent. And um, so I went to the Apple store a couple of weeks ago and brought my AirPods Max, made an appointment to have them looked at. And I've, you know, that morning it had the issue where I heard the ocean, you know, when there was nothing playing. Um, and uh, and and then I go to the store a few hours later. And, of course, it doesn't demonstrate the issue because that's how that always goes. And and um, I pleaded with, with the person who was sending him off. I was like, you know, I, I know this is going to happen again. And um, he, he made a note of that, of course. And, and they came back repaired. So um, my AirPods Max are now fully operational. And it's so good to have uh, – it, it changed my usage when they weren't, you know, always clear sounding um, naturally. So when I got them back, the first thing I, I found myself doing that I wasn't doing before when they when they were kind of busted was was watching movies with on, on Apple TV with them. Um, that's just I, I don't know. I've got like you know soundbar and everything, but it, it, AirPods Max is like if it's late, you know, someone's sleeping, and it's a really good way to watch movies and 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 have like a full sound experience too. So. Um, finally, resolution to, to that thread. Um, one, one day I'll bring resolution to my photos uh, issue, but not not this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least your five and jaw headphones work again. Yes. Uh, one more thing on the AirPods Pro rumor about the uh, speaker part, right, for the case. Back in October of 2021, which feels like ages ago, but I guess it's in about three months, there was actually a leaked image of an alleged uh, AirPods Pro 2 case that had speaker grill holes on the bottom of it. So if you want more evidence that that leak from October is correct, well, Quo says that the new case is going to feature a speaker of some description to emit a sound. So maybe the speaker hole... Like, when this came up, it was very bizarre because, like, why is there these holes in the bottom? But now it makes sense. They're going to put an actual speaker in the case and emit sound that with, way. With, with Find My in, in AirPods, you can play a sound through either AirPod. It's a really loud sound. Um, but you can't do that with the case. And so if your case is lost, you've just got to find it. And, and this would catch it up with the with the actual buds itself so makes sense like on AirTag, there's no holes though right they just play the sound by like vibrating the case but i guess with a like by vibrating the actual like air tag itself i guess with the harder plastic of the airpods pro cases they can't do that so they have to put like speaker grill holes in the bottom if you haven't seen this picture it's basically like the iphone speaker grill there's like three drilled out holes on both sides of the uh lightning port so 
I guess that's kind of how they're going to do it. Uh, it does, and it, also it, interesting. Uh, it, yeah. I was going to say, it is a little misleading looking at the image because you, you think a speaker, AirPods, can I play it? Can I play music from the case itself? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no way that's going to happen. It's just going to be like, you know, find my beacon functionality. And the, the October, the quote didn't say anything about this, but the October image also has a very interesting like cutout on the left side of the on the side of the AirPods case, which seems to be some kind of like keyring attachment or holder or something. So maybe there's going to be a new like offshoot of AirPods accessories, so you can like put them on your keychain directly or put a lanyard around them or something. Because there's this weird like metallic holes thing on this li- alleged uh, you know case leak for the AirPods Pro Two, which hasn't been discussed anywhere else. But now that the case speaker thing has been backed up. Now it puts more credibility on the overall leak being real as well. So mm. that's something to think about. Okay. So yeah, AirPods Pro 2, we expect them to be announced at the end of the year. I'm holding you to that. Happy Hour this week is also brought to you by Headspace. Do you feel like your mind doesn't have an off switch? Or do you feel tired no matter how much you sleep? Perhaps you have built up tension that just seems to never go away. These are just some of the ways in which stress, anxiety and sleeplessness can harm your mind and body. So as we start the new year, why not make some small changes to your daily routine that can have a big influence on your mental health and well-being? Start your year with Headspace. Go to headspace.com Mac. Headspace is scientifically proven to help you manage your feelings and your mental health. In fact, a recent study showed that in just two weeks, Headspace users can reduce your stress levels by 14%. Whether you want to relieve stress, anxiety, get better sleep, or simply improve your focus and concentration, Headspace is your everyday dose of mindfulness for real life. Their library of sessions have all sorts to choose from, from a three-minute SOS meditation to much longer and gradual relaxation sessions. And if you have kids, they even have quick meditations designed to get the whole family involved. These programs make it easy to give you a moment to catch your breath and to make time for your mental health. You can start small and work up from there. I signed up on their website and they do a really great job of guiding you into the world of meditation. It's nicely designed and super easy to get started. There's no expectation of commitment. In fact, I personally love these short mini meditations they have. They could just give you some space for a quick breath and a moment of mindfulness to yourself. They are quick, short, they're really easy to slot into the otherwise busyness of daily life. And of course, you can graduate from there to longer courses as you become accustomed to the platform and and what they offer. Headspace, once you get a Headspace account on the web, you can use the app on iPhone or Android, of course. However you're feeling, try Headspace at headspace.com slash Mac and get one month free of their entire mindfulness library. This is the best Headspace offer available. So go to headspace.com slash Mac today. H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash Mac. One more time, that's headspace.com slash Mac. Thanks to Headspace for sponsoring the show. Now, my understanding is that you have a classic Mayo rant bottled up and you need to release that. Is that is that true? Hmm. I wouldn't say it's a full-on rant. Okay, it's okay. Not, not, not discomfort. Not TV like, app level, okay. Not TV app level. Okay. This is about the Apple Watch advert or series of ads that they seem to be releasing uh, over the new year, which focus on the kind of life-saving assistance part of the Apple Watch. There's ones about fall detection, and they and there's ones about uh, you know people being trapped and having to call emergency services. They generally take the form of like a slow pan over like a vista in the background, basically like a re- a reject Apple TV screensaver. And then on top of that, they have some text, which is uh, 
saying what's happened, right? And these are they're on TV, they're on Twitter, they're all over the place. Uh, the big one that caught people's attention was the one for nine one one, and the ad literally says nine one one. What's your emergency? And it plays back recordings of people talking from their watch, talking to nine one one because they're stuck in their car or they're underwater or they're you know they're trapped and they couldn't reach their phone, so they called emergency services using their watch. This I've seen a very big split in opinion about how these ads are received. Uh, what did you think, Zach, when you saw these? Were you do you think they were clever? Do you think they were interesting? Or do you think they were like repulsive? Where where did you kind of land? And then I'll say what I was going to say. I thought it was effective because I was in a different room uh, when a football game was on, and then I hear on TV like you know the nine one one calls, and it kind of grabs your attention, and so I go back into the room with the TV and I and I watch, and then I at the end realize it's an Apple Watch ad. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that was going to be that. Um, so at least as an advertisement, it, it caught my attention. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I've seen a lot of people talk about it. So if you believe in the idea that any press is good press, this these have definitely been successful. But I'm not the only person saying this. It just seems a little self-centered or overreaching for like, you know, the multi-trillion dollar company to basically say, like to kind of intimate that, if you don't have an Apple Watch, then you're gonna die. Or do you know what I mean? Like that's kind of the if you if you if you sum up the entire advert into like one word, it's basically like you need an Apple Watch, or you you know you you're gonna be in trouble. Which it feels a bit, I don't know, not just not very like it feels like crossing a line that I don't think is really justified. Because yeah, of course people in the world have used the apple watch to call 911 and you know they have the emergency services features they even added that thing where it doesn't matter what country you're in it'll automatically ring the right emergency services for the country you're in that, that was like a key feature of one of the apple watch generations i think it was a series 5 and so yeah it is a feature of the apple watch but the the actual credit of these people you know still being alive it's not apple it shouldn't like it shouldn't accrue to apple it should accrue to the emergency services people that they're actually doing the work on the ground, you know? Like, this ad is very effective, for sure, because you you don't see anything. You just hear these people who are obviously in panic, and obviously they've got permission to, you know, share them and blah, blah, blah. But you hear these, like, panic-stricken people talking to an emergency service operator, and then at the very end of the ad, it says in text, with the help of their watch, Jason, Jim, and Amanda were rescued in minutes. Now, is that sentence true? Is it their watch doing the saving and rescuing? <laughs> Not really, right? Like, yeah, they did call them from their watch, but most of that process is the incredible infrastructure of emergency services that exist in the in the you know the developed world. Like, you can take your watch to Antarctica in the middle of nowhere, and Apple's going to come and save you and you know pick you out from the sea. Like, they 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 can offer emergency service recovery services. But, the Apple Watch just helps you contact the people that actually do the work. So I think the biggest thing that upset me personally about this advert was just the way that it almost gave... It was like Apple almost patting themselves on the back too much for achievements that aren't actually related to them. Like, I don't want to say it's, like, going too far, but it didn't feel... I didn't feel the tone was quite right. Like, most Apple adverts, they're either, like, some optimistic story about how a person used Apple products to make something cool happen, in which case you don't have the 
Like, it's just, it's quite lighthearted because they're making a movie or they're making, you know, a slideshow. One of the best Christmas adverts is when that kid made the video of Christmas, even though it seemed like he was attached from the family, he was actually making this crazy cool video using an iPad and stuff. Like, that's upwarming, that's uplifting, that's positive. This takes the negative approach by, you know, threatening your existence on Earth and basically guilt-tripping you into like, oh, you should probably wear an Apple Watch all the time in case you need to call 911. And then it doubles down on it by the very like last slide basically saying that it's thanks to the apple watch that these people are still alive not the you know not the firefighters not the police not the emergency responders that are actually you know on the ground like i feel like this ad would i this ad would have sat better with me personally if even if that just they could add the entire ad the same but if the end copy was like thanks to the emergency services that help bring these people back to us because you get that you know, if it's, if it was more subtle in the Apple Watch Association, because they say, like, part of the script, well, not the script, but part of the things that people are saying in the actual commercial, like the, the person being saved, it says, I'm calling from my Apple Watch, right? Like, so you get that you'd get that gist regardless. Like, it that was fine, because obviously there are real conversations that have happened. So, you know, you're just quoting something that makes your company sound good, fine. But at the very end, it didn't even say, like, you know, it, it it literally just says, with the help of their watch, Jim, Jason, Jim and Amanda were rescued in minutes. It didn't even like, you know, in the new year, let's give thanks to the people on the ground. Do you know what I mean? Like, it felt too much like Apple was trying to take all the credit for something which they really don't have too much involvement in. And they're basically trying to guilt trip anyone that watches it into paying, you know, hundreds of pounds for a watch uh, that you may, that you probably won't need practically to save your life. Because out of how many watch owners do actually call emergency services it's a very small number but it's a great feature i'm not denying it but you know like and you're not just you don't have to buy like the cheapest apple watch you can't buy an apple watch series 3 because they don't sell cellular models at all you've at least got to buy the apple watch se and then you've got then you've got to pay a cellular plan on it like i don't know like it like that you don't see them doing adverts where it's like here's the iphone the iphone has saved your life because you got to because everyone who's calling emergency services before the apple watch came out they were using their phone you can't say with the help of the iphone these people are all alive you know like it's not really true i don't know like that was where it kind of felt bad to me fear appeal is like a basic type of advertising it's one of the you know you, you, when you look to make an advertisement you can have like somebody famous in it you know you can tell a positive story fear, fear appeal is is a very common one and and so i think that's why this sits so poorly with you is because apple isn't known to do fear appeal um for, for, i see that as them stooping down to a level that they don't need to go to okay I mean. okay yep. yeah um and then the why not iphone angle on this the, the thing with the apple watch is even if you don't have cellular and your watch is connected by bluetooth and bluetooth range then you can still make that phone call from your apple watch because your iphone's in range Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a story several years ago of this guy who was eventually featured in one of the Apple ads, but he was uh, his Jeep turned over and his phone, you know, fell out of reach from him. But he was able to, to call 911 from his Apple Watch. So the fact that it's strapped to you and not, you know, loose in your in your car um, helps. Um, and, and and then um, in terms of just the, the whole idea of, of it's 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 not the watch that's doing it. It's the infrastructure of emergency services. Um, you know, I suppose that's true, but also um, this kind of argument, all the infrastructure for emergency services can be fine. But if if the difference is, you know, relying on a passerby to call for yeah. help for you or you can do it yourself, but only because you happen to have the, the watch on, then that's um, a, a, not- a notable difference. And I, I do um, 
if if I go out on my motorcycle and ride, I you know presume that's much riskier. I'm, I'm at a higher risk of accident than I am if I'm in my car, um, or at least if I'm if I'm you know hit by somebody that the the accident will will be more uh, you know damaging than if it were me in the car and have the protection of the car around me. Um, so that fear really does make me wear the watch if for no other reason if i were in an accident and and the phone is you know broken or somewhere else and and i'm able to, to place a phone call from the watch or you know or, or get knocked out and fall detection kicks in so um yeah I, yeah I, I i'm um i didn't have the same reaction as you but because you you say that there was a lot of conversation about this i i believe you yeah, I'm not saying you're right and I'm wrong. Like it's just a different interpretation of the same video, right? And I saw a lot of people saying this ad is fantastic and amazing and great. It and is a little scary rewards and stuff. And then there was other people saying that this is you know manipulative and exploitative and stuff. And I don't think it's exploitative. I just think it doesn't. The tone isn't quite right for like who Apple is as a company. Like when they do like the dear Apple adverts that they previously did, or they do the like the health and fitness stuff. I feel like those adverts are like here's how. The Apple Watch like helped people, you know, live a better life. Isn't like which is less critical than like the Apple Watch saved my life. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a different level. I I see it. But the Apple Watch didn't make you change your life. You did it yourself. It was just the yeah. But I feel like the adverts that show that are give credit to the person doing the work. You know, like they're not saying like Apple alone. Like they don't say like because you see many manipulative ads on TV, which are like just buy this or you know like equivalent to weight watchers or whatever and you'll go from 50 stone to you know you'll lose 50 stone or whatever and like they're like stupid apple doesn't stay there and say like just buying the watch will make you slimmer or you know make you lose weight or live a healthier life it's just like an assistance or a or a, or a guide way and i feel like the 911 stuff is maybe just because it's more serious it's about like life or death rather than just you know how you live your life but i I've, i don't think they they pitched it right the way i saw it anyway and some people agree with me, and some people don't. Like, I've, I, I wouldn't say it's the 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 discourse around this has has been very fifty fifty. Like, it's it's been very divisive. It's not like one way or leaning one way or the other. So maybe it is effective. Yeah. So not 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 the ad of the year for you. Um, okay. No. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put this as one of my favorites. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Find My and uh, everyone's favorite company, Chipolo. Not Chipotle. Not Chipotle. Chipolo. Which we all, when, when I say Chipolo, no one thinks tacos. We all think competitor to uh, what's the competitor to AirTags called? When I I've forgotten the name now. Tile. Tile. Yeah, competitor yeah. to Tile. Um, and and they've they've now had a new product that that is like something Tile has as well, Chipolo. Um, which we reminded is a company that exists and and works with Find My. Um, so what's new from our, our friends over at Chipolo? Yeah, so they have. So last year, when Apple announced that the Find My Network was going to be available to third parties, they were one of the first ones out the gate. And they basically offered a clone of the AirTag that was slightly cheaper, but didn't have ultra wideband in it, right? But it wasn't that much cheaper. So you there wasn't really much point in buying it compared to just getting an AirTag, right? So it was like cool that it existed. And Apple was like supporting a third party competition, but that product wasn't differentiated. What they're out with this year is the Chipolo card spot, which is something that Apple doesn't offer at all, and but something that Tar did offer, and that is an AirTag in the form factor of a credit card, so you can just slip it in your wallet, and it just 
takes up one of the card slots in your wallet, but it still gives you a FIMA integration with Bluetooth finding. So this is something that, you know, if the FIMI ecosystem didn't exist, there'd be a lot more pressure on Apple to offer like an AirTag wallet version, right? Like sure, a, a, yeah. a slim couple of millimeters thick card that would just go in your wallet and contract your wallet around rather because it's it's kind of unwieldy to 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 include the quite big and bulky circular round air tag in a wallet yeah some, so some people these, do it i've tried it it's just a, it's noticeably bulbous in your wallet and if you are a back pocket wallet person then you're probably going to feel it when you sit down so i, I don't i don't use an air tag on the wallet but i would yeah totally use this yeah, because it's literally just like a credit card. So if you can fit a credit card in your wallet, you can fit this in, it'd be fine. Again, this has the limitation where it doesn't have ultra-wideband, but it has the most important feature of Find My, which is the access to the you know billion-plus devices in the world that can find the Bluetooth beacon signal being sent out and relay it back into the Find My app with the same privacy and encryption and everything. Uh, so I think it's a pretty cool product. Uh, the Chipolo, the Chipolo cone was kind of out of the blue announced last week and it got a lot of press attention. One criticism I did see about it is that there's no uh, replaceable battery. So basically, the Chipotle lasts for two or three years, and then you have to buy another one if you want to carry on using the wallet. Um, I, I, you know, I think that's fine. Well, but, like, uh, like a credit card, it expires eventually. Yeah, you, need to yeah. it. you know, if you're looking environmentally, obviously you'd prefer to have something that you. And that was the lesson Tile entirely. had to learn through experience because initially Tile trackers weren't battery replaceable either it was you replace the whole thing and it's like well do you really want to pay forever for this thing um yeah on tile not even the credit card style ones just the normal air tag ones originally yeah and you know apple's air tag would have been the same way if they didn't you know have tile and the lesson in public before them <laughs> yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. um so the chipolo offering which ships in february uh doesn't have a replaceable battery but there is actually another company called air card if you were from Rolling Square, they have an also announced a very similar product uh, that also integrates with the Pharma network, and it supposedly has a replaceable batteries. It's a bit thicker; it's like an extra millimeter and a half thicker than the Chipolo one. But you can apparently buy, and I don't know how much the batteries cost or anything. And this one probably isn't shipping in February because they've only just announced it. It's like you know pre-order now, but shipping sometime this year. Uh, so if you want a version that is a bit more environmentally conscious, you can buy the Air Card from RollingSquare.com, and it has all the same features but you can replace the batteries when they die so okay can you can you ping these things with sound yeah yeah yeah. they yeah. have speakers in them okay cool nice i don't I, again until we get them in our hands we don't know how the sound compares to an air tag or a tile or something but they do have speakers in them that do make noise yeah cool and then finally for this little section there's a rumor that the iphone 15 so i know we've only just gone to 2022 but of course that means we have to start talking about 2023 iphone rumors the iPhone 15, at least the Pro models, the high-end models, will drop the physical SD card slot. S- and the S- only SD way card, you huh? will connect... Yeah. SD card, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they will not have an SD card slot. Uh, they first. also won't have a SIM card slot. <laughs> they will apparently, according to sources uh, familiar with the matter, huh. work on eSIM only. They will Right now, You have a, the iPhone has a physical SIM card slot and it has a any sim so you can have two sims active at any one time uh with the iphone 15 according to blog do iphone which is you know sketchy rumors but they aren't the only people saying this uh they are suggesting that the 2023 pro iphones will have no physical sim card tray but they will have two internal electronic sims so if you still want to do a dual sim you can do it but both sims will be 
uh, internal and electronic only. And if you currently cling on to your physical SIM for a reason that you really like, well, you have to give that up because there will be no way to use a physical SIM card anymore. And everything gets worse over time, so this is just going to happen to you and you can't do anything about it. Um, I don't know about that, but uh, right now, this, I mean, they've been doing this in the iPad, cellular iPads for a long time, right? Where mm-hmm. there's no SIM card, it's just all eSIM. Um, I think that's the case, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then in, uh, on the iPhone right now, you do have one SIM card tray in the US and China, you have two, which is the exclusion. Um, but, but they, but you can already do multiple SIM, eSIMs, right? That's the thing. Um, I think it is. I think it's the thing. Maybe. I, I honestly couldn't tell yeah, you. Yeah. I, I think it's a thing of like the 13 generation, maybe, but. But yeah. Um, oh, I'm reading it in the article right now. Okay. Yep. Ooh. The iPhone 13, uh, not the iPhone 12, but the 13 yeah. 13 Pro can do dual eSIM. I am, yeah, I am, you can use two eSIMs. I am really smart. I, I, I can't believe it. I don't know. You're, you're unbelievable. Yeah. Zach. You're on a <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, iPhone rumors for next year. How about that? That's fun. Um, I don't know. Do you care about having a physical SIM card or not? It. I've tried. I, I've I've like converted my my uh, physical SIM card into eSIM, and then I've had that require an extra phone call and like a trip to the carrier store to get resolved. When I've changed phones, just to have like because I've had like an activation issue because it was was eSIM and it wasn't you know just a physical card change. Um, but it wasn't the end of the world. And if there's if there's any benefit to offer, I mean space uh, size savings because it is you know the bit of extra battery maybe yeah, yeah a little little bit extra something you know um, then that's it's a fine trade off for me. It, it, maybe it's extra waterproofing than you would have otherwise. Uh, um, so I'm I'm not gonna you know hold on to my physical SIM cards if if we go eSIM only. It feels like it's an inevitable um, you know. And then starting with the Pro, you know that you'd imagine that eventually just becomes standard on every phone ever yeah yeah i i think this is going to happen apple has obviously been slowly convincing people to adopt eSIM more and more it's kind you know, of gradually it's kind of weird with each generation yeah sim cards are kind of weird these days i mean a long time ago they, they were where your contacts were stored you know and <laughs> <laughs> so they were pretty important um but these days that's not the case and they've gotten smaller over the years but you know they're they're like as small as the chip in them now, um, but it's it, it's kind of weird to think about that you've got to have this physical card in your phone to, to have cell service, and without it you can't unless you do eSIM. Um, it, it's yeah, and yeah. My current carrier in the UK that I use, it's not one of the big ones; it's one of the smaller ones because they offer the best deals. Um, so I only pay like seven pound a month or something insane, uh, but I can't do eSIM with them. They only offer physical SIM cards. So, you know, it, from that perspective, I should be anxious about Apple adopting uh-huh. eSIM only because I couldn't use my carrier anymore. But the reality is, as soon as Apple releases <laughs> phones that are eSIM only, all the carriers in the country will obviously start yes. offering eSIM options. So that's why I'm not worried about it. Yeah. But yeah. So even if you're if you're if you're like contemporaneously concerned, by the time the iPhone 15 ships, it's not going to be a problem, and they're and they're only going to do it on the pro model to start with. So if there really is like edge cases, or it takes a while for people to you know to catch on, you can buy the standard iPhone 15s and be fine, right? Yeah. Um, but by the time the like, if not by the iPhone 15 release, by the iPhone 16 release, every carrier in the world will support eSIM fully. So there's no there's no worry about that because they're not going to just ignore the iPhone market. Yeah. Do you know, you know what SIM stands for? Mm, do you know I did, but I've forgotten. Okay, I, I mean I had to look it up. Um, yeah, but I, but I was curious. Subscriber identification module. 
I did know that. Yeah. yeah. Can you believe we have? Some- and you know, they're like mini computers. They're not just like a. They're not just like an ID card. They have like their own CPU on there. Really? Like they do stuff. Yeah, you can program a SIM card to do stuff. And in fact, in the olden days, it was actually a security exploit. Like some older smartphones would naively interpret the code that was running from the SIM, and they could like take over the entire phone. Like they're not just dumb. They're not like a credit card, which is just like a you know just has an ID on it. Like they actually do some form of computation, like a very 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 slow CPU. It's kind of crazy if you actually Google it. If you don't believe me, but the sim the sim standard is wild, crazy. That's crazy. Finally, this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all know it's been a stressful couple of years. Are you feeling a little strained? Is there something mentally preventing you from achieving your goals? Sometimes you just want someone to talk to who is trained about mental health and living a better lifestyle. So check out betterhelp.com slash mac happy hour from the comfort of your own home betterhelp assesses your needs to match you with a licensed professional therapist tailoring to help your personal well-being connect in a safe and crucially private online environment after signing up you can start communicating to a therapist in under 48 hours this is not run-of-the-mill self-help this is professional counseling done securely online you can access counselors specialized in all sorts of areas like stress anger relationships depression sleep and much more you can start a conversation with your therapist at your convenience you just send them a message at any time the therapist responds in a timely manner and you can schedule more personal sessions like weekly video chats or phone calls if you want to as well better help is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid options are available and of course everything that you talk about is 100 private and confidential start living a happier life today as a listener to this show, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash MacHappyHour. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they are now recruiting additional counsellors in all 50 states. Again, that's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash MacHappyHour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. All right. Uh... Next up, we have a HomeKit bug that has been hanging around for a while. What does this do? Yeah, so this is kind of this is kind of sad because this immediately brought back uh, bad memories of I think 2017, where there was the HomeKit security issue uh, with our friend Chaos that got reported and then was not acted on by Apple for months until you wrote it up on 95 Mac, and then suddenly they were kicked into action. Unfortunately, this is kind of the same story and about another HomeKit bug. And this is, you know, many years on, including in the the intervening period, Apple pledging to be more responsive to security exploits. You remember that whole fiasco with the FaceTime uh, bug thing where people could listen in through the, through over FaceTime and they like, they got reports of that before, but they said they promised they would be more responsive to bug reports and stuff in the future. Well, it's just seem in general they've got better, but this is a case where something has slipped through the cracks. So a security researcher by the name of Trevor Spinolas uh, detailed in a blog post that if the name of a HomeKit device is changed to something very, very long, like 500,000 characters in length, it can cause big problemos. So when it's changed to a large string, the device can't handle it and it will just constantly reboot. You you won't be able to do touch input. The passcode entry won't work. It keeps trying to con- contact like the HomeKit server or the HomeKit daemon on the device, and it just gets chewed up trying to pass this really really long string that you set. 
So you're basically got a denial of service where you can't use your phone, which is bad. <laughs> this is pretty bad. And what makes this worse is that any third-party app that has access to your home database, so you've given it permission to control HomeKit accessories, they can rename your accessories. So you need one of them to be malicious. They could rename one of your accessories to something really, really long, and then it would wipe out, effectively wipe out any way to use that iOS device and any other iOS device that connects to the same HomeKit home. So if I if I was doing it in person, I could come around your house, copy and paste a really big string into your phone on, you know, what, rename one of your lights, and then you'd basically be stuck and essentially out of luck without doing like a full reboot, full full erase of the phone. And then when you set it up as new, specifically opt out of signing to iCloud and only and uncheck the home. You know, when so basically when you sign the way around this, if you did get um screwed, is to reset your phone completely, probably by connecting it to the computer and resetting it through the finder thing using DF, DFU mode, because you won't be able to use the phone most in most likely uh, scenario. So after you reset it, you then have to set up the phone as new, but you wouldn't be able to just type in your iCloud account during the you know the normal like white screen setup because then that will automatically resync your HomeKit configuration again, which would then recause the problem. So what you'd have to do is set up the device completely blank, get through to the, the home screen, go into settings, um, do because you know you can set up a, a, an iOS device without logging into an account. It, it it complains at you during setup, but you can do it. But that's what you'd have to do. Then you go into settings iCloud. You'd have to quickly type in your iCloud password and then scroll that list of toggles, turn off the home toggle so it doesn't sync any of your HomeKit information, and then you'd be able to use your phone again. Okay. So so I'm not inviting you over as we're... What, what, <laughs> the actionable advice there. I mean, it's a pretty bad bug yeah. because, you know, any third-party app shouldn't be able to take over the entire phone and make it non-functional. And theoretically, if a bad actor got through the App Store, they could do that here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty bad. And what makes it worse is uh, Spinola says he reported this to Apple in August. Mm. And it's now the, a brand new year and it's not fully fixed. Apparently a mitigation was added in iOS 15.0 or 15.1 where you can't just type in uh, like you can't set a HomeKit device name to that length. Yeah. Right. So as of iOS 15... You can't just type in a really long string anymore. It won't let you. But if you have a a different iOS device in the house that is not updated, it can change the HomeKit configuration and your iOS 15 updated device will still continuously reboot and die because it will try and read the really long string that the other device set. Yeah. So the only way to be perfectly immune would be to have every single device up to date and then it wouldn't be able to... And that includes Macs as well, obviously, because Macs can change your home stuff as well through the Home app. Uh, and then you wouldn't be able to have something maliciously change your device name, one of your HomeKit devices, something really long. Uh, Obviously, the actual fix is for the fact that iOS to handle it properly. So even if something does have a really long name, it doesn't continuously crash and reboot. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm safe in that regard, but it's always, uh, that's always a tricky thing is is patching a vulnerability now and something that exists, you know, hasn't been updated yet. Yeah, that's always going to be a challenge. Yeah, I mean, they should... And six months on from August to now, it feels like the current version of iOS 15 shouldn't be able to crash and reboot if if this situation is found. Like, that's too long. And Spinoz also complained that he was getting very infrequent updates from Apple Security about, is this being worked on? 
not much information and we still don't know when an actual fix is going to be deployed so not a great look yes yeah, so, still, still kind of status quo it sounds like <laughs> yeah, yeah mm-hmm. unfortunately okay uh next thing we have to talk about is uh the potential of apple doing a, an audiobook subscription service something they haven't done yet they have apple books they have audiobooks sold through apple books um but no subscription angle there and years ago they they, they hired some, well a while ago they hired somebody from from audible so that that could be the source of this rumor it's sort of you know floating out there um but that that's the rumor this week. What do you, what do you, what do you think about it? And wh- where, where did yeah, this come from? Yeah, I mean, from? it's not a concrete rumor with a lot of evidence or detail. It was one sentence in an, in a kind of opinion piece from The Economist, right? Which is basically talking about, you know, Apple's approach to services and content and are they really serious about television because they've only done like 50 shows or, you know, like that kind of narrative, blah, 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 which we've talked about at length on the show before. I'm not going to repeat all that, but... They were talking about uh, in the past couple of years, Apple has made smaller media bets, including Arcade, a subscription game package, News Plus, a publishing bundle, and Fitness Plus, which offers video aerobics classes. And then the next sentence, there is talk of an audiobook service later this year. And then it carried on as if that wasn't news at all and yeah. just carried on talking about other stuff. Uh, this article was published in The Economist. Uh, it wasn't about audiobooks at all. It was just a you know a single off-the-hand comment in the whole thing. And the Economist article wasn't bylined with an actual author name. So we couldn't even like ask them to clarify it because who knows who actually wrote it. That's how The uh, Economist works, though. Well, I know, but... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, just, just to say that they haven't hidden their identity for the purpose of, of, of that, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah, it's not like a, it, but that's what I mean. Like, yeah. if some, if Bloomberg had written it like that, we would like at Mark or whatever and ask him to clarify sure. it. And some, someone would answer us. But, you know, in this case, we don't even, we can't even ask for clarification because we don't know who wrote it. Yeah, byline. And it's not, and the way it's written, it's not clear if they're even presenting it as new information. Like, are they saying, I think I've heard that they're working on an audiobook service, or are they just saying? There's been random rumors about an audiobook service, so that's what talk, you know, falls under. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't. The know. later this year part makes me think it's more than nothing, but the fact that it is the Economist, um, usually don't get my Apple rumors from there, and I can definitely see somebody from from a highbrow publication like that, you know, just sort of like reading um, and sort of summarizing, you know, what what are the rumors that the like down to the nitty gritty sites like ours, um, what are they saying and you know, to say, oh, they hired somebody from Audible, um, you know, in, in the last few years. So maybe that means they're going to do subscription service for, for books. Um, it, it, something I haven't thought about, though, is is would it just be, you know, if they're doing the service, would it just be audiobooks and that's the thing? Or or is the, isn't there appeal and also just subscription service and you get, you know, ebooks, not just audiobooks, you know? So, and that, that, that hasn't even been, you know, rumored from The Economist even. So, um, strictly audiobooks if, if, if this is to be a thing. Um, and, and, you know, with Apple One, it's like one more thing you could throw into the bundle to make it more appealing. You could even like raise the cost of the $29 plan um, to be, you know, a few bucks higher if you wanted to, but because of this. Um, but, but yeah, it's not, we're not holding our breath yet, I think is, is the case. Yeah. So if you ignore the feasibility of this being true, audiobook service seems like something Apple would probably want to do at some point, right? And, like you say, they could throw it into Apple One and get some extra content for the subscription bundle. Uh, and they did that big uh, like UI overhaul to the Books app in a couple of years back. Maybe they've been prepping for this for a while and they're going to roll out some big audiobooks play and here you go. 
there is some practicality flags that raise in my mind about like well what is an audiobook service that apple could actually do as part of a bu- an apple one bundle because like audible is obviously the main competitor in this space right owned by amazon and they charge 15 dollars a month and you get one book credit per month so basically you're buying one audiobook a month for 15 dollars, and you can pay more and get two credits and stuff but 15 dollars that's a lot of money and because you're buying a whole book from you know an actual just published author or whatever most of that $15 is going to the author and the label and the publishers right amazon isn't seeing a big amazon order parts in a big cut of that $15 so the profit margin is pretty slim it seems unlikely that apple can just engorge that into even apple one premiere which is $30 a month right like they can't just add on a $15 cost and not change the price but i don't think they're going to make it more expensive just to add audiobooks in so that is a bit of a dilemma about how they would actually implement this. Maybe it's something that isn't part of Apple One and you can only buy it separately. Or maybe it's not like a service like Audible where you can basically get any book that's been all recorded in the world and like a storefront, right? Maybe it's Apple's just going to do the TV Plus model where they pay for people to make audiobooks and they get full subscription streaming licenses to them. And that way they can amortize the cost over the entire user base rather than each individual person buying a $15 book each way. Obviously, the downside of that approach is that there'd just be a lot less content on offer. But if you're just doing it as like a perk of Apple One, maybe that's not too bad, right? And they've done that with Apple TV Plus. They're kind of doing that with Arcade. Um, So they're certainly not opposed to it. Obviously, news and music are more the other model where you're getting a lot of stuff, but the pricing is also a lot higher. So we'll see what they do. I think them adding audiobooks and even ebooks would be cool and even if it's only a small selection curated selection you know 50 100 titles or something uh anything they can add into the apple one bundle at no extra charge i mean who's going to complain like and it binds them to the ecosystem even more and maybe it's an attempt for them to actually make apple books somewhat relevant because it's you know if, if you think of ebooks no one's thinking of the apple bookstore like they just they just aren't like amazon and kendall are just so dominant and if Apple added some ebook audiobooks after Apple One, it would at least put the Apple Books stuff in the conversation. Yeah. When, and it's kind of sad because I don't buy audiobooks or books from Apple because they're so expensive. Like an audiobook from Apple is like $30 minimum most of the time. But the actual app, the books app, is pretty good. And it's, you know, fully featured. It's got all sorts. It's got a reading list. It's got a club. It's got really nice UI. It's got custom interface everywhere. Like they did a really good job of it when they redid the books app a couple of years back. But the actual, like, appeal of the content store inside it is just so low that uh it didn't really make an didn't really make a splash yeah i I wrote a couple years ago that i would love to see a service for audiobooks from apple um you know for that reason i was spending a lot of time in audiobooks and in the books app and it is a good interface and you can do things now like i think at the time you couldn't stream and now you can um so that and and so they've made these changes that that could be relevant um even support on the apple watch that that wasn't there for years and in the last year or so they, they've added audiobook support um which is primarily streaming i believe over wi-fi or or cellular so they've, they've got a lot of the pieces there it's just the business model i guess is the hardest part um but you know if, if you can solve that for music and you can solve that for books from other companies can then then i, I think it, it's you know it seems like it's an inevitable for apple and services um, I have seen some commentary though since this has been the story this week that 
if you're strictly just shopping around for audiobooks, that Apple's catalog does not compare to Audible. So if you're looking for a specific book, not just like browsing for what's what's available, it's 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 pretty likely that you're not going to find it on Apple Books in some cases, and and that it would be available on Audible. Um, yeah, and the ones that are there on Apple Books, they're generally higher priced for some reason. Yeah, I don't really understand. Like like almost all the audiobooks are more expensive than like buying a 4k movie yeah. right like and i'm you know i'm not diminishing the uh the appeal or the importance of publishing and books like we write you know writers are great but i think it's pretty clear that one person writing a book the cost basis of that is way lower than you know these 200 million dollar movies but you can buy a movie for 30 dollars and like the harry potter audiobook per book is like 35 dollars each so the, the the money there's never made sense to me so if apple can deploy something which you know is more sensible built in four dollars four ninety nine a month something like that even if it's got a small catalog at least it'll be a lot more approachable yeah and the last thing for me is i'm pretty certain that i've listened to audiobooks on apple books and it's been like brought to you by audible in some way that that it's oh really yeah <laughs> that there's some arrangement there already um for sourcing so i don't have to look more into that but i'm pretty sure there's some there's some tie-in already <laughs> Uh, and then uh, another thing this week, Apple, they, they, you mentioned it earlier, they're a multi-trillion dollar company. Well, they used to be worth, you know, in, in the $2 billion range, and now they're in trillion. the $2 trillion range, and now they're in the tri-trillion dollar range. So they, <laughs> so they, they, they briefly, well, they were, they briefly hit um, trading where the market cap uh, was was equal to $3 trillion. Um, of course that goes up and down and they didn't end the day like that, but we, you know, it's not too far from now that we'll see Apple consistently in the the $3 trillion, um, valuation. And I think the, what's more interesting for me here than, than just this, this milestone that, that doesn't mean a whole lot, um, is that it took, um, I think a couple of years to go from 1 trillion to 2 trillion. And then it was like 16 months to go from 2 trillion to 3 trillion. And that was during pandemic, which, you know, overall, I think I think work from home has been a, a, a boost to Apple's sales, and it, so that's that's part of it. Um, the the continuation of of new services and, and revenue and growth there helps as well. But the fact that they went from from two trillion to three trillion much faster than one to two trillion um, is is a little bit unexpected. I think. Yeah, I mean, like the whole market is just crazy at the moment. Like stocks are way higher than they were pre pandemic, and. I'm not sure it's entirely justified, but that's a completely different conversation. But yeah, just if you just look at the Apple stock price, it took them 40 years to get to 1 trillion from zero, right? Then it took them two and a half years to get to 2 trillion. And then it's taken them under two years, like about 18 months. The, the first trillion is the hardest. That's what they say. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it, at that point, it's just like funny money, right? Because like the company is not three times bigger than it was three years ago. It just isn't. Like revenues up like, 20%, you know, like it's not 300%, but for whatever reason, the stock market loves them. So a lot, lot of, a lot of there. faith in the future of services in the iPhone. And then it probably, yeah, for sure. Maybe in like, part Apple car and, uh, and, and the headset. And of course, if they don't deliver, it will go down again. That's right. But we'll see what happens. All speculation. I mean, they're making, they, they are making money hand over fist. And, uh, on that basis, they're going to announce a holiday earnings results on January 27th. That's the next, next earnings call. That'll cover the iPhone 13, which from all indications is selling like gangbusters. That'll cover the, you know, everything else they sell over the holiday period, which is always a huge quarter for them. So uh, if you want 
big numbers probably in the excess of 100 billion uh just wait till the end of january and apple will deliver for you and and finally i I will i will solve this carplay riddle that i had yesterday you know again reminder what was happening was when i would hit a bump or take a sharp turn um carplay would stop playing audio and um Mayo, your guess was correct. <laughs> I, oh, yes! Yeah, I, I did have a loose pair of AirPods in the cup holder. And when my car was jarring, they would move and they would, they would you know, get triggered as, as, you know, being worn. That was the issue. And I was so happy I didn't need to go to a mechanic to solve this problem. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> I'm so happy uh, I got it right. Yeah. <laughs> it, and I think it does speak to another issue of CarPlay. If you want that, when you are in the very weird edge case of connected to CarPlay but playing music out of another device it doesn't actually say on the now playing screen that the audio has been rerouted to a different device like your whole issue would have been a lot clearer <laughs> if in big letters it said airpods connected you know like yeah. like when you're in the music up on the iphone it tells you right there and then you can see where the audio source is but on CarPlay it doesn't have a ui for that because it's you know what idiot would want to <laughs> connect to a different headphones when you're plugged into the car right so they never bothered to actually add an interface for yeah. it but uh, that is a problem that does occasionally happen especially with the introduction of like the airpods also switching feature and stuff yeah. so yeah it's just a r- the rare case of me not having the charging case with me because i left the house with them in my ears and then threw them in the cup holder and uh the audio was playing low enough that i didn't hear it coming from the airpods so, but I, I really was relieved after the third time and then i realized it was airpods <laughs> i was like okay that's a lot better than having to troubleshoot this further because that would drive me crazy do do I win a prize for getting it spot on? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a ride on my car and when you're in the US. Fantastic. Your, I'll keep that. That's your prize. All right, that is the happy hour podcast for this week. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe or follow if you don't already. We appreciate people who stick around every week. We love that. Um if you really enjoy the show and you want an ad free version of the show, you can uh, subscribe in Apple Podcasts for four ninety nine four ninety nine a month or I believe forty nine ninety nine per year. And that is the ad-free version of this show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Apollo Zach, A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at? Mayo. And you can also email us together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. That is the show for the week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.